Bill's Pod Squad is presented by the New York Lottery. The new seasonal scratch-off games from the New York Lottery are here. With prizes up to $500,000, they're the perfect gift. Head to your nearest retailer and gift one today. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. Please gift responsibly. On this week's episode, ESPN NFL analyst Nina Kimes joins Kim and I to discuss why she thinks the Bills are a top three team, how she's never seen a QB improve from year to year like Josh Allen has, and she'll give us a couple of her best Bills analogies. And Kim comments on welcoming Bills Mafia back for the first home playoff game. All that and more on this week's Bills Pod Squad. Get ready because we start right now. Welcome into Bill's Pod Squad, presented by the New York Lottery, Maddie Glab, and Bill's owner and president, Kim Pagula, here as your host, Bill's Pod Squad, is a podcast that takes you all over the NFL, and today we have ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on with us as she talks everything Bill's and gets into what's exciting her the most about the postseason. Kim, we just found out there's going to be fans in Bill's Stadium for the first home playoff game. This is incredibly exciting news. And I know it's been an ongoing conversation just to even get fans into the stadium. From the start, you've seen other teams and stadiums successfully have fans in the stands. So I was really hoping it was just a matter of time until the Bills had fans in the stands. And I've got to say this too. Steve Tasker, in the beginning of the season, kind of wrote this into existence in that he was like, you know, I don't think we're going to have fans at all. I'm hopeful that we will, but I'm just envisioning having fans in the stands for a home playoff game. And boy, was he right because we'll have 6,700 fans cheering their butts off. And I know this is something that, that has taken a lot of work, a lot of communication between several different parties. A lot of heads have come together to be able to make this work when you when you look at what's going to have to take place for everyone to get into the stadium safely. So how did this come together and how pumped are you, Kim? Yeah, oh, Maddie, listen, normally we have 70,000 fans in attendance on a normal game day, but to get 6,700, you would think it would be a lot easier. It, <laughs> it, definitely, was, it definitely was not easy. Um, listen, this process started months and months ago before we even knew um, if we were going to have a football season this year. And we have been working diligent with the state. Um, you know, there's a team here. I got to give them all the credit. They've been on the calls on a weekly basis. We've put together our complete plan um, when the regular season started, just in case we had fans um, to keep our fans safe, um, follow all the NFL guidelines, the, the state guidelines, the CDC. Um, so we had a plan in place of how we could keep our fans safe um, throughout the season. But unfortunately, we were still not able to have any fans at all. And then in the last hour, and honestly, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the success that our team is having um, to have this momentous um, game where we haven't been in the playoffs and hosted a game in 25 years. Um, I, I think the governor heard us uh, long and um, really loud that, you know, this is not something that happens every day. And that unfortunately this is in a year where we're not having any fans and what can we do? How can we work together to pull this off, to get fans in our stadium? And we settled on a 6,700 number, which basically is a little bit less than 10% of capacity. So still keeping safe, still providing um, a, a good, fan experience for those that are able to attend. Um, a big 
crowd for our, our team. I mean, listen, I've been to games uh, where they've had 5,000, 10,000 fans in attendance. Those, those fans, it, it does matter to the team. There, there is a noise and a level of atmosphere that even at those limited qual uh, quantities that it's there. And I know our team is pumped up to be able to have fans uh, in the stadium. So a lot to do, Maddie, <laughs> a lot to do. I know, Kim, do you, do you even have time to do the rest of this podcast or you want to hop off now and keep planning for everything that you have to accomplish? You know what, though? This is one of the ways that I can talk to our fans on a much wider scale that takes way less time per fan to, uh, to do this. So I feel like I'm saving time by being on the podcast. <laughs> but I think the governor said this. This is a demonstration project. This is a monumental project that has never been done before. We are testing oh, close to 7,000 plus uh, pay, uh, fans as well as game day staff um, 72 hours before a game um, and this is, that is a huge number are we gonna am I gonna have to start testing people with the amount of hands-on <laughs> that will that will probably have to go into testing more than 7,000 people that is why we are not Buffalo Bills like we play football we did we are not the testing <laughs> providers so thankfully the help of BioReference, who has been the NFL official league partner that has been testing our players and our staff since day one, every day, seven days a week. Um, so they are going to be the ones, along with additional staff, of course, um, that are going to be doing all the testing. And so, so confident with a 24-hour guaranteed turnaround time. Um, they've really been a great partner of ours, um, and we expect great things from them. And really, if it wasn't for them, um, we wouldn't have been able to to do this and have this. Listen, I, I'm a realist. I know, Maddie, there are, <laughs> listen, 70,000 fans. We're starting with our season ticket holders. Not everyone's going to be able to get in. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, um, are there going to be issues that we haven't thought of? Are there going to be challenges that we are still navigating or answers that we don't even know yet that are going to happen? Um, certainly, I mean, they, they really will. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Love having the fans there. Not everyone can be there. Um, and how do you choose which fan can and can't go? Um, so, you know, we are starting with our, our long tenured season ticket holders um, and starting that, that list. We are very hopeful that there will be many more home playoff games for all our fans to attend. Yes. Whether it happens, you know, game two, if we're so lucky, or next year. So I know it's been 25 years, but I am just very hopeful. I think we're in the right direction, um, seeing what we saw from this team this year, that we've got a lot of playoff games in our future that we can look forward to. It's just one year and there's many more years. Uh, I, I think we're gonna be back in the spot. So no guarantees, but you know, like I said, that's the positive thing uh, to, to look about. If, if you are not one of those that can end up being at the game but yes fans in our stadium at bill stadium for a playoff home game in 25 years like can you uh, believe it i think that's a great perspective to think about it and like of course there's going to be some broken hearts who have some great stories as, as to why they deserve to be in bill stadium for the first home playoff game in 25 years but if you're not able to be there and if you don't get your name called in, in the lottery pool or how it's going to work out with season ticket holders uh, first, would you rather have fans or not have anything, any fans? And I think the answer is we'd, we'd rather have fans because 
at least some people will get to experience it and it's going to work wonders for our players. I can bet that these fans are going to be the loudest fans out of any NFL team just because they've had to wait the longest to be in the stadium and it's a playoff game. So I know they're going to show up. I know they're going to be loud. And I also know they're hopefully going to be safe and smart about what they choose to do the weeks before, the days before, and how they choose to wear their masks, socially distance, like you said, all the things that we know have been working. And listen, we appreciate the support that we've seen from our fan base here locally in Buffalo, but even around the country. And that is where, you know, we want to provide them a, a place for them to celebrate. But we also want to tell, you know, make sure that they realize, like, listen, you know, the protocols are in place for a reason. And for us to really move forward, we still need them. So still no tailgating, whether you're at the game or you're not, just discouraging, you know, kind of really any of those mass gatherings. I know you're going to want to kind of have that, you know, big wild card, wild card game party. Um, but we're just saying, listen, for us to really keep moving forward in the right direction, um, you just, you know, we just ask you to, to stay at home to wear your mask if you can't attend the game. Um, before the game, like you said, before the game, during the game, after the game, this is not just a one game thing. This is just something we need to be very diligent about. Get our number of cases down. Give us the best opportunity to have every fan be able to come to a Bills home game playoff game. So, And I know everyone is hoping that this can continue for the second home playoff game. We're just going to say there's going to be a second one, but we're going to see how things go for that first home playoff game and then make the decision to, yes, more fans can come or the 6,700 number applies for the second home game playoff well, game. Yes. Yep. Well, I won't be making that decision, but, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we wish you were. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, that, that's what the plan is now is that we're going to be prepared to have another uh, home game, but no guarantees. Definitely don't want to guarantee anything, but we can just hope that all of that stuff happens. The Bills win their first home playoff game. Everything goes perfectly. Everybody gets tested. There's no issues with everything that has to happen. And then same thing happens for the second home playoff game. Who are we going to play, Maddie? I don't know. Ooh, that's a good question. I can't wait to find out. We are days away from knowing, and it's been eating me up. But speaking about the first round of the playoffs, I think we look back on 2020. I know all of us are looking back on this year as the new year is right around the corner. And we're thinking about how it's been filled with so many twists, so many turns, so much heartbreak, and a lot of tears probably for all of us. And just living through a pandemic and, and living a year that probably none of us wanted to live in a lot of different ways. But if you look at it in the lens of being a Buffalo Bills fan or the Bills owner, this year, even though it's been filled with challenges and hardships, like this has been such a happy and great year for the Buffalo Bills football team. It's been a year first for you as an owner. Two professional teams, you get an AFC East championship, home playoffs, a 12-win season, something that hasn't happened since 1993. You know, we, we sweep the Patriots. That hasn't happened since 1999. A legit chance to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, what comes to mind when you think of everything that had to happen and that took place in order for a football season to, to even begin on time? 
you know what, I, I think back to being, just being very practical and thinking back that this is why foundation is so important. The foundation that you lay, whether, um, you know, your personal life, your work life, you know, or on a team, because you never know when these moments happen, right? You never know when your opportunity to win, you never know when the challenges are going to be there. But if you really have that foundation, and I think that's where with, you know, the coaching staff, the consistency, I know Brandon Bean talks about um, with the, the care of shaping this roster um, and then just culturally the foundation that has been laid. Listen, this didn't happen overnight. You really think about it. This is year four, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that work in preparation for the opportunity, despite the challenges, I don't know. I think that to me, that's just, that's what really speaks out to me is that we were ready. We're, we, we're ready. Um, doesn't matter if it's a pandemic or not. Uh, we're going to be ready regardless. And the pandemic only, you know, is just a small bump, right? Um, and in, in terms of our team performance, it was just a small bump. Maybe in some ways you could argue that it may have helped to keep yeah. us focusing, you know? But um, at the same time, I think it's just a real testament to the foundation that has been built upon year after year um, and the consistency and the bond that our, our, our players have with each other in this locker room. Yeah, it's definitely been years in the making. And, and I think in a lot of ways, the pandemic has maybe helped bring this team a little bit closer together, just given what they have to sacrifice every single day. There's few people in this world right now that have to live through the protocols that li they're living through right now. And I think how they can relate to each other on that regard, I think makes them feel like they're, they're more connected, even though this team is already so connected in the locker room, they have such a great bond. I think this has just helped them grow even closer together, but we've got a fan box that we need to talk about. It's our last fan box for home games this season. It's Cole Beasley. It's a little tie-dye red shirt. It says, catch the ball, drop the beat. So we, we know that uh, Cole loves to uh, rap a little bit. He's got a, a couple albums, I want to say, and I think he's working on another one. Um, but the, the stick figure is a microphone. So it's red tie-dye, uh, pretty cool looking shirts. And uh, we're sending all the healing vibes out to him too right now. We know that he's week to week with a leg injury. So we hope he can get back and, and be healthy before the season ends. Uh, but this box includes a Bill's scarf from the Buffalo store. It's available at billsfanbox.com until Sunday, January 3rd at 11.59 p.m. And proceeds benefit the, the Boys and Girls Club of Buffalo. So you're also donating to a good cause when you purchase the t-shirt. So. Pretty cool looking shirt, right, Kim? What what a year he's had. I mean, you I know. know he was thirty three yards away from having an a thousand yard season. I'm so bummed for him. I'm I'm telling you. I mean, listen. When when um, did we trade for him, or was it, we signed him as a free agent? We signed him as a free agent from from the Cowboys. Right. Yeah. And so you know, in every year he's just gotten better and better. And this year has been a tremendous year for him. Um, you know, he is such a big part of our offense and he has bailed us out of a lot of third downs in, the, in throughout the season. Yes. So, um, so we, we wish him a speedy recovery. We're going to mm -hmm. need him in the playoffs. Um, and he's so important to this team. So, but his personality comes through in that t-shirt. So I, I've heard, I've heard him singing, I've heard him rapping. So he's legit. 
he definitely is legit. His lyrics are great. He dropped a song over the summer. I know he's working on a new album, but he got a little busy with football season. Yeah. So hopefully that can come out at some point. But we love Cole Beasley. We, we love what he's done for this team this season. Uh, but let's get into that interview with Mina Kimes before we toss it over to Mina. The New York Lottery is giving away $50 worth of the new limited edition New York Series scratch-off tickets with a chance to win up to $1 million to one of our lucky listeners each week. Visit buffalobills.com slash nylottery or click on the link in the podcast description to enter now. All right, guys, here's our interview with Mina Kimes. Mia Kimes, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You cover the NFL. You are you dip into every single team on NFL Live. I can't imagine just the work <laughs> that goes into the preparation that you have to do uh, to be able to talk so eloquently about every single team and have takes on every single team <laughs> and in a witty way. You do it in a oh. very witty way that I really appreciate. I think a lot of NFL fans do too, but let's start off with the Bills since this is a Bills podcast. With the season that they're having, 12 wins so far, the most since 1993 for this team. Several road marks uh, this season, several milestones, several records have been broken, but what makes the Bills stand out amongst other NFL teams this season in your eyes? Well, I would say a couple of things stand out. So a lot of us had the Bills winning the division before the season, but what I didn't anticipate, and I think most people who say they did anticipate are lying, was just the incredible rate of improvement um, that we've seen in the quarterback, Josh Allen. I mean, it just – the leap he's made this season to being a top five quarterback by any metric, it, it's astounding. And the offense has been incredibly fun to watch. Um, you know, Brian Dable obviously has gotten a lot of praise from our show and others this season, but it, it's just fun because it's inventive. Um, the It's very modern. So for like football nerds like myself, it's it's been a really – really fun season to watch that offense. And then I would say the other thing that makes the team stand out as we look towards the playoffs and kind of think about matchups and Super Bowl, you know, contenders, the Bills are very balanced, which is not something we said about this team at the, we meaning analysts, I think, said about this team at the beginning of the season, um, you know, when the offense was really exciting and explosive, but at times the defense wasn't quite there with them. I think over the last few weeks, you've really seen this team achieve the level of balance you want going into the postseason. When we rank teams and think about, okay, can this team actually win it all? You, you look to the defense and some of the improvement we've seen there. And I think that's what makes the team stand out. It makes them a true contender. So, um, you know, if in our, the AFC um, conference, what team do you feel is the best matchup or what team do you feel like is going to be kind of really a challenge for the Bills to, to make it all the way to, to the Super Bowl? I, what will come is probably no surprise to you guys, the Chiefs. And, and really, we've got the Chiefs. I keep saying we. I'll just I'll speak for myself here. I don't want to speak for my colleagues, um, including Bills panderer Dan Orlovsky, who brandished <laughs> the Bills that. Mafia flag on NFL Live. But I, I, I view the Bills and Chiefs as in a separate tier from the rest of the conference right now. And um, I actually had our fabulous Bills reporter, Marcel Louis-Jacques, mm -hmm, yeah. on my podcast, the Mina Kimes Show, to talk about the Bills. And we found ourselves really um, 
identifying a lot of parallels between the teams and how explosive the offenses are and some of the things they're doing on offense and how difficult it is to defend all of the weapons that they have schematically, as well as defenses that, you know, are not the calling cards of the teams, but do enough, I think, to support that level of offense. So I think that the the Chiefs give the Bills the most competition, the Bills give the Chiefs the most competition, and we could be looking at sort of a track meet style um, playoff game, which frankly would be tremendously exciting as a fan of scoring. Yeah, I remember listening to that podcast and you and Marcel kind of agreed on I don't think either team can stop either offense. I think it's just going to be whoever holds on to the ball uh, for the longest and has the ball as the clock is ticking to zero if it ends in regulation time, if it doesn't go into overtime. But, yeah, that's kind of how I look at that game, too. And I remember when the Bills played them earlier this season, it wasn't the best game for the Bills. That was that stretch where they had the Titans and the Chiefs, and it was kind of like, okay, this team is not playing up to their potential right now. But Josh Allen just spoke to the media, and he said, those two games were a huge learning experience for our team. We were able to, to do some different things after that game, being able to watch tape and kind of dissect how the defenses played against us and, and how we defended those big offenses. And we were able to move on from that and get better. But I want to know where you think the Bills rank among other NFL teams. Do they fit in the top three, top four, top five conversation in your mind? I think they're unequivocally in the top three. Um, so I go uh, Chiefs, Packers, Bills, Saints, Seahawks. That's my top five right now. Um, but, it, man, it is – I actually put would put the Packers in a similar sort of conversation as the Bills and the Chiefs in terms of te- teams where like the offenses are so explosive and difficult to stop right now. And there's been questions at various times throughout the season about defense, but uh, I'd say I'd say three, um, which is the I mean coming into the season, man, did anyone think that we'd even be saying that? You know, I didn't see the Bills. At, at, in terms of preseason rankings, yes, we had them winning the division, but I, I I didn't see this coming. So it's remarkable. I mean, you know, the playoffs, anything could happen. You don't want to make any guarantees or sort of bold predictions. But um, I would, if I was a Bills fan, I'd be pretty optimistic. Well, I am super excited, Mina, that you put the Bills ahead of your Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> so, as many of you know that. Many of our listeners know that you are a huge Seattle Seahawks fan. So just for you to hear you say that you put them ahead of them um, gives me a lot of a lot of joy. Um, and listen, here in Buffalo, so much excitement. Uh, you know, not um, not being able to host a, a home playoff game in 25 years as a Seattle Seahawks fan. You know, you haven't had to wait that long, so you can imagine um, the excitement that we have here in Buffalo. But being like I said. I will take top three from you <laughs> any day of the week. Um, and like I said, especially above your favorite team, because I know you might be a little bit biased there, um, <laughs> even as an, an, uh, an analyst. But how did, how did your love of Seahawks or love of football, like just give us some background and, on how you got into, into uh, sports. Yeah, so I, I've always been a Seattle sports fan. So it's not just Seahawks, Mariners, Sonics, growing up, um, Washington football. 
Uh, but I was not work. I didn't work in sports until a few years ago. I was actually a business reporter. I was an investigative reporter for fortune magazine and then Bloomberg and then ESPN hired me as an NFL writer in 2015 was 2015. Yeah. Wow. It's not that long ago, 2014 or 2015, I think, um, was after Seattle won the Super Bowl, And that's kind of how I carved up my life there. And, um, I was originally at ESPN writing profiles of NFL players and then started doing more on the analysis side after about a year or two with my podcast and doing some radio. Um, so it's it's actually not been that long. I've always been an NFL fan, but only been an analyst for a few years now. Um, and you know, I, I guess I'm, it's ESPN kind of took a risk on hiring me, bringing me over from the business world because that was my background. But I think some of the skills are pretty similar. Did you always want to work in sports? Was that something that you had your goals set on? Because I know you were an English major and, and you worked in investigative and in, in business journalism yeah. and reporting for you know several years and then you jump over the sports side you hear people about people doing that but to jump straight into espn i feel like is something that's very unique especially for someone who maybe didn't see a future in sports no yeah i i did not aspire to work in sports it was just my hobby i mean honestly it was just kind of like i was a nfl or pardon me a business journalist um but spent all my free time watching football and on football message boards and football internet. And, um, it's, it, you know, a real dream, <laughs> I think to make that jump. And I feel very fortunate. Um, in very few people get to turn their passion into their job. Right. And, um, I, it's, it's been crazy because people always ask me, okay, now that you cover it and you're doing analysis, do you find yourself in like less of a fan or enjoying it less? And, no, absolutely not. Like, even if it wasn't my job, I would still probably watch, um, you know, as, and the sick amount of hours of football I do. I just wouldn't be taking notes the way I do now and then going back and watching the, the All-22. But I, I just truly love it so much. And to be able to have the time now, um, because in the past it was just like, okay, when I'm spending my free time, now I, it's my full-time job. So to be able to study for a living is just fantastic. I couldn't ask for anything more. Any skills uh, that you brought over from your previous job into, into sports? Well, so um, being a business reporter, you know, I spent a lot of time reading 10Ks and doing um, a, a fair amount of, I wouldn't say math, but working with numbers. And when I started covering football, um, you know, I, I still really approach it from, I would say, an analytics-friendly perspective. And a lot of the analysts and people in the football world who helped me early on were on that side of things, especially, you know, not coming from being a player and having that sort of experience. Um, it, it's been, I wouldn't say uh, a way in, but it's been a way for me to look at the game and sort of provide a different perspective. And that's something I still do. And I think more people in our industry do now blending that mix of analytics and tape study. Um, so I think being sort of numerate uh, coming into covering sports was helpful. And then the other thing is just asking questions. You know, I was a business reporter and I would say I still am driven by the same kind of 
questioning whether it's back when I was a writer or now just looking at teams, if I don't understand something, um, the mindset is similar, even though the subject matter is very, very different. You say you get to study for your job and, and watch tape in all 22, as you had mentioned. Where does your expertise come from? Because whether you are a male or female, everyone is very capable of learning the X's and O's about football yeah. and talking about them and being insightful and educated on the game of football. But it's not an easy route to take. Uh, yes. It takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of film. Uh, it takes coaching. Uh, it takes people in your corner who are willing to break things down and explain it to you. So where did that expertise come from? Because, Mina, when you talk about football, you sound like you have played the sport for a while. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm far from an expert, but I'm lucky because I work with a lot of, and, and I work with people who have very specific expertise. So if I'm watching a game and I'm, I have a question about coverage, I'll ask, you know, Ryan Clark, Dominic Foxworth, if I have a question about quarterback play and I'm watching a route concept and I don't quite understand it, I'll ask my colleague Dan Orlovsky. If I see um, something happening in the run game, I was watching Baltimore, New York uh, yesterday, and I was like, I don't quite understand what's happening here with the blocking. Baltimore, it looks like different concepts. I'll ask Mike Gold Jr. as a former offensive lineman, and I'm so fortunate at ESPN to be able to lean on all these people with positional expertise who can explain to me and you know, oh, okay, the guards, you know, when he, when he pulls like this, that's what's happening and watch the tight end. And um, it, it's really fantastic. And I think something that, you know, I would say anyone in our industry, but a lot of times with women too, you know, we can be afraid to ask questions because I don't want to look stupid, but um, it's okay that I don't, I'm not able to identify, you know, exactly what's happening in coverage in real time. And if I ask a question, then the next time I can identify it, you know, and I think that's pretty cool. So I, I'd say just being able, having access to these people and having a willingness to ask questions has helped a lot. Well, can you give me the, the phone numbers of, of your <laughs> staff there? Because I too have a lot of questions uh, in live game uh, moments, um, but unfortunately I, I don't have that. I wish I did. They're all working. And so, you're, not inter you're not interrupting Brandon Bean I, in the middle of the game? You can't say, hey, Brandon, can you just break that down well, for me right know, now or any of the scouts that you watch? You and how, how very tense things can be in that <laughs> box on game day. And so it's like Imagine. I don't want to ask the question because then they're going to miss kind of what's happening on the field. So that's what I – that's kind of the, the pressure that I'm under when I have a question. So if I could have some of – some of her contacts and I can ask questions <laughs> like that would relieve, you know, Brandon and my husband and all the other ones that are in my box um, of me <laughs> asking the questions directly to them during the game. You should start texting the players on Mondays and Tuesdays <laughs> when they're watching film like, hey, Josh, uh, can you uh, break down this film with me? I want to know what you were seeing in the game. See what uh, he no, said. no, no, because I want him to focus on the next game, as you know, always on. And I don't think coach would be real thrilled if I took up Josh's time on, um, on explaining <laughs> football to me. So but like I said, it's, it's um, you know, being live um, at the game, there's it's, goes so fast it I was actually so able, to, yeah. able to listen to, on the headset um I, this was last season one of our games at the end of the season um just to listen to what the coaches are talking through in the headset um on, on the bench you know with a quarterback it it is so fast it, it just really is I don't think people realize the amount of 
the amount of decisions that have to be made in the yeah. amount of, of very little time that happens um, on a game day, even though sometimes the games can seem very long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Live is, yeah, we, is pretty amazing. It's crazy. And when you think about a quarterback, the difference between, I mean, like a quick release and a long, like a quarterback standing in play, it's a second, right? Like we were talking about quarterbacks who are getting the ball out quickly. We're talking about 2.5 versus 2.8 seconds normally. Um, and I think sometimes I like, you know, we, they don't use the skybox, but, but when you see the field from the quarterback's perspective, you see how freaking difficult it is to play the position pre-snap, post-snap, everything that's happening, the decisions made, going through your reads and how quickly it all happens. It's remarkable. I, I find it crazy that anyone can play that position at a high level. Um, it's, it's easy for me to watch overhead later and say, oh, he had a guy wide open. Yeah, why, did why didn't he hit Diggs wide open? But uh, in real time, it's very challenging. Speaking of reads and checks, I think Josh Allen has grown tremendously in that area, as yeah. does any rookie quarterback from year one to year three. You know, year three is the year People say you can tell if this quarterback has grown. You can tell if, if this quarterback is potentially going to be for real. Is you get into year three, you've had time, hopefully in the same system like Josh Allen has under Brian, Brian Dayball. That is not common in the NFL. You look at so many young quarterbacks and, and their success or their success that is yet to happen. And it's oftentimes because they have a lot of different offensive coordinators or, or quarterbacks coaches. Josh Allen has been blessed with Ken Dorsey and Brian Dayball since he's gotten into the building. And I think that's helped his growth so much. But you look at a player who went from 52.8% completion percentage in 2018 to 69.1% completion percentage. Last season, it was 59%. So this dude has jumped 10 completion percentage points among a lot of other things. Right now he has seven franchise records that he's probably going to hold on to this season, which is incredible when you when you talk about a quarterback and we talk about all the things that happen in two seconds at the line of scrimmage. Have you seen a jump like this, Mina, since you've been covering the NFL in, in year two to year three? And why do you think it's happened for Josh? No, to answer your first question. I mean, this is statistically, everything about it is pretty unprecedented. Um, it's frankly remarkable and I think because it's so unprecedented you, there's probably a, a, a number of reasons and factors that weigh into it that frankly you know uh people should study uh, as they're looking and I actually you know we we're talking about it because we're looking ahead to the draft and prospects and I'm almost there's a worry almost that people think this is the norm or that it's easily you can take a quarterback with um you know the sort of the raw physical tools that Allen had coming to the NFL and say, okay, great, look what he did. No, it's not normal. <laughs> What's happening in Buffalo, it's not common. And um, I, I'd say, you know, from the outside, Dable, Brian Dable, he's also grown as a play caller tremendously and uh, deserves all of the accolades he's getting for the way in which he's enabled and helped Allen. Um, the talent to the team building was something you know going into the season I said that this is one of my favorite group of skill players the wide receiver group they're like a basketball team just the complementary skill sets um you know we talk about on our show a lot how you can't really play 
man against Josh because Stefan Diggs is going to kill. You can't play zone because Cole Beasley is going to find that soft spot. I've always loved John Brown as a player. I think he's fantastic, fantastic and like that perfect compliment to them as well. Gabe Davis looks like a gem as well, you know, on top of all that, of course. So the Andrew addition of, he, he really is. So the addition of Diggs, I think really also, if we're going to talk about kind of things that have unlocked or contributed to that growth, but you know, we can talk about all the factors around Josh, but it, the quarterback himself is the one who clearly put in the work and effort to make that sort of leap. And um, that's not something that's easily reproduced, frankly. So uh, he deserves all of the credit for the jump because when you watch, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because he makes throws that you really, other quarterbacks, it's not that they won't or don't have the mental wherewithal. They don't have the physical gifts to do frankly on the field and playing the position it it requires not only like um a knowledge of you know the it's not just his brain and that's something that's been fun to watch this year sort of the way in which he's manipulating defenders identifying disguised coverages making the right reads going through his progressions but also um an understanding of what your arm is capable of and when you see those things come together the way they are right now in buffalo it's it's just it's really fun to watch as a fan and analyst and kim we've talked about this before on the podcast just you make this selection you you get josh allen and the franchise is riding on this quarterback i i feel like it's it's got to be kind of an exhale this season to be like oh okay, we made the right choice in the draft by taking him among other quarterbacks in that year. Listen, I wish I could say I knew all along 100% on draft day when we drafted Josh Allen that he was going to be where he's going to be, where he is right now. Um, I wish I could say that, but we know that wouldn't be true. Um, and But yes, it's uh, certainly a collective side because listen, you know, we are, the organization, even before we became owners, We've gone through this where you think you might have a franchise quarterback or you do have a really good quarterback, but like it's really not enough when you're going against the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers and the you know, Ben Roethlisberger's and all these other top quality. It's just right not at that level, but like what do you do, right? You're not, yeah. you're kind of in this middle of, well, we have a good quarterback that we might be able to do, but but our team's not really bad enough to like really do a you know total you know remodel of the whole system so it it is um it's a difficult place to be um but i think in year three where you're trying to figure out okay is he the guy um i i'm i'm happy that we don't have to have that debate as much anymore um i know there's other teams out there that um are going to be having that debate i'm glad we are not one of them uh this Mm -hmm. year and you know we're ending 2020 soon (laughs) soon um, we're going into 2021, but I think, um, you know, not to be boastful or anything, but I think uh, 2020, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen is one of the top stories of the year. Oh, um, yeah. What other top stories do you, you know, would you say for 2021 and going into 2021, what are you looking forward to? Well, I, I think just for NFL purposes, um, you know, I, Mahomes, Allen, Rogers, Wilson. <laughs> I mean, uh, the I agree with you, Josh. The uh, improvement, the leap, the what we've seen out of Josh Allen is absolutely one of the defining stories of the NFL season. I would say also 
you know, Aaron Rodgers, what he's doing in Green Bay this year. Um, it, it invites a similar kind of level of how did this happen? It, it's not, you know, we know it's Aaron Rodgers, so it's not the same, like, how did this happen? But there are really interesting um, things happening in Green Bay and, and sort of decisions they've made as an organization that I think are fascinating in their own way. Um, so I, I would say that's one for the playoffs that we're pretty excited about. Um, and, you know, I, I think going into this season, Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay was sort of the big, wow, what is this going to look like story? And it's been a bit of a roller coaster. So I would say that's going to be a level. There's going to be a lot of intrigue around that in the playoffs, him, Bruce Arians, that Tampa Bay defense. Um, you know, I, since you asked about the whole year going beyond the playoffs, I think we're all already very intrigued by the draft. You, obviously Buffalo, you have the, now the benefit and the gift of not having to worry about the quarterback position, but there are a lot of teams um, that, whether it's the draft or free agency, uh, have that spot to fill. So we're already kind of looking ahead and there are, wins and losses now that will forever define the futures of these franchises, including one in your own division, um, which, you know, was, of course, I'm talking about the Jets, we thought was, uh, was headed toward a certain outcome in 2021. And now it appears that's not the case. So there's a lot of questions about that team and then the top of the draft. This last week of regular season is certainly is, is a lot of storylines <laughs> going on there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't remember, at least in recent years, of this last week, like you said, defining so many teams, so many things have to happen for certain teams to be in the playoffs, the matchups. Um, it's it's a little bit wild. I I have a hard time keeping track of it all. Um, oh yeah. You have help. Um, no, so, it's crazy. Uh, so well, what what are you you know what's the this going into this next week? Um, what are you more most anxious to see what the outcome ends up being? I mean, Miami-Buffalo is one of the most interesting games of Week 17, especially with the revelation that the Steelers are planning to sit uh, some of their starters, including their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, suddenly, the two and three seed um, are very much up in the air in the AFC, and it, it sort of feels like a bit of a, I don't say unintended consequence, but it is a consequence of the expansion of the playoffs and the decision to only give the well, decision, but the outcome where the, the only the one seed has a buy. Suddenly, the uh, incentives are very different for teams playing in week 17, and we're seeing that. And, um, you know, this particular game between division rivals, so obviously, like I said, for Buffalo, the two or three seed, but then you're also, this is a very much a Super Bowl contender, so there's considerations as to how much you play the starters, you know, what happens depending on other outcomes, but then in Miami, you've got a team that's very motivated to win so that they can get into the playoffs and, um, you know, made their decision to stick with their rookie quarterback over a guy who Buffalo fans know all too well and Ryan Fitzpatrick, so there, there's a ton of drama an interest in that game. You guys know Miami, they're tough out right now. It's a very good team. So I'd say that one really stands out. And then, and then in the NFC, um, you've got an NFC West battle potentially for the playoffs between two teams that may, well, in, with the Rams, they're starting a guy who's never thrown an NFL pass and John Wolford, um, who I watched 
uh, calling the Rams preseason last year versus an Arizona team that also desperately wants to win and get into the playoffs. So those are two games I'd say that I've really got my eye on in week 17. But of course, all of the outcomes are very much intertwined and it is very hard to, it's already hard because you're like, okay, well, if the bears win and then, but then throw on top of that, the fact that we don't even know who's playing in some of these games um, on top of the COVID stuff. And it suddenly becomes very, very chaotic. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a season that we're getting to the last game of the regular season. Um, it's been a tremendous lift for, for, I know, every club and the league, and I'm sure for all, you know, all the media and the analysts out there. For us, um, you know, I haven't seen Maddie in a while. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it has been a very challenging season. And for us and for the league, I give a lot of kudos to all the players and everyone. Uh, yes, we have positive tests. We knew that was going to happen, um, but we've been able to cross our fingers, get through uh, the regular season be able to have a lot of great football games um, all season long. Um, it's just, it's amazing that we're, that we're even here. Mina, before we go, I've got a couple more questions for you. NFL Live is full of some characters. We know Dan Orlovsky <laughs> has basically become a part of Bill's Mafia uh, in the last month, several months, several weeks, and he rocked a Bill's Mafia flag on air uh, before Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Is he a member of Bill's Mafia? When did this affinity begin? You know, I'm glad you put it that way because Dan has been a fan of, he's, been, he's really enjoyed like the rest of us watching the Bills all season and the offense in particular. Um, but he's also positioned it as him against the world. It's like, Dan, I picked the Bills to win the division in the summer, okay? So, you know, granted, I don't think all of us had the team as Super Bowl contenders, but it's not like this team came out of nowhere, Dan Orlovsky. Um, that said, he is definitely in in your guys' corner uh, this postseason. I'll say that. Um, so you, you do – I would say he's probably honorary mafia. We'll give him that. I love it. I love it. We love to see his support and what he says on the show because of plenty of us. Uh, take it in and use it for several different things. So as long as we can have some of those members out there, you know, I know people are hopping on the bandwagon here and there as the season goes on. I was looking at record predictions in the beginning of the year, and a lot of people had the Bills off a few games. CBS Sports, I think, predicted us to go 8-8. Eight and eight. So there's only a couple people that are actually still in the running to predict the right record. One of those guys is Marcel Wijak. He predicted a 12 and four season for the Bills. So hopefully they can finish 13 mm. and three in the regular season. But one thing I think NFL fans look forward to is your comments on Twitter, how you tweet about <laughs> games, how you tweet about football. Like I said, when we intro this podcast, you are very witty and it comes out on Twitter. Yeah. It makes people laugh. It makes people chuckle. And I feel like a lot of people can feel like similar to it they can relate to it and I think that's one of the, my favorite things about sports is, is relating people to the athletes or relating people to certain things about the sport so I want to run through a couple different analogies with you because that's something mm -hmm. that I think you also are a one on so oh boy okay number one watching Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs their connection is like complete the sentence oh man 
Hmm. I would say, I always think in food. Stefan Diggs is like the truffle oil on Josh Allen's pasta right now. Cause you know, he just makes it that much better. And although, you know, I don't like that one because truffle oil too much, or it, it can be excessive. And I, I don't think there's such thing as too much Stefan Diggs right now. I think he's a top three true, wide receiver true. in the NFL at the moment. Um, Maybe cheese fries. Cheese fries. I, I know I should do a Buffalo. Okay. I'll do a Buffalo one. Um, blue cheese and wings. Blue cheese. Of course. Blue cheese. Yeah. So Josh is the wing and Stefan is the blue cheese. Like Josh, to be, to be clear, flats, flats and blue cheese. So <laughs> see, you, I can pander got, to Dan Orlowski. There you go. You've got your Buffalo stuff down pat. One more. Watching the Bills smack down the Patriots on Monday Night Football was like... <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll say this. It's like watching a movie where you already know the ending because that was not particularly surprising <laughs> at this point. Maybe earlier in the season, there's some questions, but um, going into that game, I don't think, I mean, we all picked the Bills to win, but um, it became a question not of can the Bills offense roll or whatever. It, it's more like, okay, we're looking for, we, we talked about it at NFL Live, we're looking for nits to pick, right? Because we're not at this point, it's not about wins and losses. It's about, can you hang with the Chiefs? Can you beat the Chiefs? Um, and I'll, I'll say that Buffalo team certainly looked like they could hang. Yeah, I completely on, on agree. To the fifth, our, I think it was our fifth possession in a row that we had scored points on. I was texting my little group of friends and I was like, hey, is anyone else bored? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever done that before during a game. But Kim, uh, you must have been the most relaxed person in that suite. I, Mina, she usually eats a lot of candy when she's nervous in the suite. So maybe there wasn't as much candy. That was the first game that I, I was anxious before. But but like I said, um, during, you know, I think pretty well into the, the first quarter there, I that was the most relaxed I've been during a game. <laughs> I will say that. So it, it was, it was very enjoyable. I really, I actually, I really, I want to do it again. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, as a Seahawks fan, I almost never have that sensation, even as good as the team has been. I'm sure you guys know every game is like chaotic and bizarre. Um, but that's the blowouts. That's when you should start texting the coaches and saying, okay, well, you know, is that an outside zone? Run? I, you know. <laughs> That's, you know, or you could start call the plays, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey Brian, <laughs> can I call some yeah. from the headset, please? Yeah. We're up, you know, 30 points. Yeah. <laughs> Mina, thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk with us. Good to hear your insight. Always good to have someone from the national media, national analysts uh, from the outside come in and talk about Buffalo because then we know we're, we're on the right train of thought. If you're saying the same thing that we're saying. So we appreciate the time. Good to talk some Bills. Good to talk some Josh Allen with you. Right, thank you, Mina. Bye, guys. Have a Bye. great weekend. You too. Bye. You too. Good luck. The Buffalo Bills are proud to partner with National Grid in promoting the Safety First initiative, where every time a Bills safety makes a tackle at home, National Grid will donate $50 to the 100 Club of Buffalo in support of first responders and their families. National Grid reminds you to put safety first in your home with this easy tip. Call Dig Safe at 811 before you dig in your yard to check for underground power lines and pipes.
Kim, we're hoping 2021 brings lots of bills, wins, and a return to normalcy for all of us. But let's take a look back at this 2020 season. So many fun highlights, so many fun games. If you were to think back on the 12 wins that we've had throughout this season so far, still got one more regular season game left. What are some of your favorite highlights of the season so far? Well, Maddie, as I'm getting older and my memory is, is <laughs> fade on me, I'm going to say one of them has to be the Monday night game in New England, beating the Pats soundly, I would say, um, and really putting that, that, uh, that stake in to say mm -hmm. the Bills have arrived on national TV. So um, I'm going to say that that has certainly been one of the highlights of, of 2020. It came very late in the year, but but um, certainly uh, just as meaningful. Um, listen, you know, <laughs> our, our, our fan base knows, and I've been to many a, um, a Patriots game and hosted them here. This was just something that, um, you know, just this franchise had to deal with year in, year out for so many years. And not only, not only just, Beating the Patriots, like, you know, because listen, any team on any given day, as we all know, can get beaten. But to do it in a way that really showed to the rest of the country in the in football world, like we are a legitimate team um, and get the respect that I, I think we got Monday night. Um, I, I think that that's certainly a highlight. Yeah, I looked at that game as a highlight as well. And it's kind of a bummer. I know we've thought this team has been really great for the entire season. But it's kind of a bummer that it took until week 16 for like some national media to really understand how legit this team is. And it's not like we've had one o'clock kicks all season because we've had our fair share of primetime games the last six weeks. We like haven't played at one o'clock at all. This week is our last one o'clock game. Of course, it's the last game of the season, but the last Six weeks, five weeks, I want to say, have been Sunday, Saturday, or Monday games, Sunday night games, I mean. So they've had their fair share to, to get a look at this team, but I'm glad it happened this season to where people really started to respect the Buffalo Bills. And I think one of those games also that helped and one highlight that I look back to this this year was the Seattle Seahawks win. That's playing against oh you took my Maddie we're thinking alike here that right a great team a great quarterback in Russell Wilson he is one of the OGs in the league he's not the OG because there's definitely older quarterbacks but he has definitely solidified his name into the conversation of, of great quarterbacks uh in his era and in the NFL right now and so to put 44 points up on the Seahawks and beat him and have Josh Allen look better than Russell Wilson in that game. I think that was a statement win for this team. I also think about Josh Allen's first 400 passing, 400 yard passing game, because I think that's when it happened in week two against the Dolphins. And that was very early in the season. And I think that's when a lot of people were like, oh, okay, so we're going to be a passing offense this season and we're going to wreck teams through the air and it's going to work out because Josh Allen's deep ball has just been incredible this season and the reason why we're scoring so many points. So those are a couple highlights in my mind. Patriots game two, even the first Patriots game, when we won on that last minute play, that forced fumble by Justin Zimmer and Dean Marlowe recovered it. Uh, in the fourth quarter. So those are a couple highlights in my mind, I think. I, I totally agree with you on the Seattle Seahawks game because I think that that game, I, I felt like 
are, we're good. Like, like if there was, it brought, you know, maybe the whole, you know, national attention maybe wasn't as, as uh, confirmed that we're, we're really a legitimate team. But I think for me, that game was like, listen, we just soundly beat a, and at that time, Seattle had been on a roll and for mm -hmm. us, a, a quarterback in Russell Wilson, the team that the way they were playing, the teams that they had beaten previously. And for us to come in there, um, I think for me, that was one of those moments where like, wow, we are, we're good. Like mm -hmm. we can really do some damage this year. And as I looked upon the, the schedule at the beginning of the, uh, of the season, and it was like, oh my goodness, we have such a tough schedule. Yes. And I know we had some, some night games, you know, and then we're, then we had, you know, the adjustments when we had to play Tennessee um, and, you know, the whole COVID and the pandemic thrown in there and we've had some time changes. Um, and like you said, all the travel that we've had to do, the, the amount of West Coast, West Coast games that we've had, mm -hmm. I was, you know, it, you were just like, okay, <laughs> to deal with these things one thing at a time, but I will tell you that we have been able to, to pull it off. Um, listen, like I said, going back to what a great foundation this team and this organization has had and building on it, all these things that on the surface together look like a huge hill to climb. We've just been slow and steady in getting through them. And here we are, you know, last week of the regular season with a secured home home team home playoff game with number two seating on the line I guess maybe in the mm -hmm. last week like it's a good problem to have it's a great problem to have and the Bills just need to win to be able to secure that number two seed right now they have secured at least the number three seed so they need to win if they lose which I don't think they will. Hopefully they don't. I believe in this team. Um, but if they do lose, they need a couple things to happen possibly for them to still get that number two seed. So speaking of week 17 and how the last regular season game is upon us, how do you think this team needs to, to put the stamp to finalize the 2020 regular season? Well, I think it's going to be, obviously we need to get secure that, that second, um, mm -hmm. second seed. I think that really, you know, listen, Previous years, we just made the playoffs and we made the playoffs, but like really securing the, the number two seed, I think is going to be really big. And again, um, I think is representative of where this team is. Uh, you know, as we talked uh, in our interview, you know, the Chiefs there, you know, there's, we're, they're, we're kind of there, right? Like, you know, that's where the battle is going to be. Um, and that's where, you know, you hope this is what you're always chasing. You want to be where that Super Bowl champion was from the previous year. So to be in those conversations, um, I think we need to be that second seed. So I think that is going to be very important to do that. Um, obviously, then going into the into the postseason completely and really truly making a run, um, I think we just need to keep improving on what we've been. Talk about our defense has gotten better in the beginning of the year. Our offense really took over, uh, but our defense has been doing so much better over the course of the last several games. Um, getting you know, even, you know, putting up points on defense, which we hadn't done a lot of at the beginning of the season. So I think that is going to be important just to not get ahead of ourselves, to keep doing, keep building on the things that we've been doing well, um, and, and then having fun and enjoying it. Uh, so that's what, at least that's what I plan on doing it. When I that's say enjoy it, you know what I mean. 
<laughs> yeah, you you just enjoy it by hoping that when kick comes around, like your anxiety can just leave your body and, and you can feel as relaxed as you did during that Patriots game. I, I certainly am looking forward to it, but a lot <laughs> to be excited for in 2020. What a great way for sports, for football to really be there for you when you need it yes. in this challenging year. And I, I've always said that about sports in general, like how it just transcends, transcends so many things. And certainly this Buffalo Bills team has given a lot of our fans, people in our community who are hurt and challenged and struggling through so many things, a ray of hope. I know it's only football, but um, I think just what this team represents um, has been a shining light for, for our community. Yeah, I think sports brings so much joy, so much hope, and so much unity to the world. There is nothing else in this world that exists other than sports where people can come together from all different backgrounds, being raised in all different ways, uh, being all different types of ethnicities, having different religious political beliefs, and come together and cheer for something. Like, that doesn't happen to in today's day and age. And we have seen how that hasn't happened this year play out in a lot of different ways. But if you're talking about sports and you're the fan of the same team, you can, you can relate to each other based on, you know, what, what player is, is doing well, or just relate to each other on cheering for the same team. And I think that's so wonderful and so amazing. It's why I'm in this industry. It's why I work in the business. It's why I work for sports is because of the joy I think it brings to so many people. And man, has it brought joy to so many people in a year where it's been, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. And thankfully, they've been able to flip on the TV on Sundays or Mondays or Tuesdays, whenever we've had to play football games this year, and sit back and, and relax and get their mind off of whatever they've been thinking about from nine to five and just sit and sit and enjoy a football game. So I'm really thankful that this season has been able to happen on time as planned with, with very few changes and moves. Yes. Well, I met Mina last year at Super Bowl. No clue what was going <laughs> to happen for the whole year. So I will say that you never know in 2021, no promises, no guarantees. Yeah, seriously. Um, but it's like, just like we, you know, we were able to get through 2020. I'm confident that, you know, we, we will still be here <laughs> from 2022. Whatever happens, we'll, we will be able to get through it. A lot can happen in a year, in a month, in a week. Uh, so, you know, I am not going to fret about it and just keep going forward in 2021. Here we come. Amen. We all got a lot stronger this year. That is for sure. That segment was brought to you by the Buffalo Store. They are also this week's game sponsor. The Buffalo Store is the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. All right, Kim, I think that does it for us for this week's podcast. Next year, it's going to be, or next, next year, next episode, it'll be a new year. So yeah. we hope everyone has a safe and a happy New Year's. I know it's not going to be the New Year's that a lot of us were thinking of or hoping of, but... Keep it safe, you know. It's okay if we have to celebrate just just a, a couple people or by ourselves because hopefully next year everyone will be throwing epic parties to ring in 2022 it will be. All right, thank, thank you, Maddie. Happy New Year's, everyone. Thanks, Kim. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned for many more awesome guests as we continue on with Bill's Pod Squad brought to you by New York Lottery. Thanks, everyone.